Thank you, Brother Terry. Well, if you brought your copy of God's Word this morning, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we want to look at verses 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to share a sermon that I've simply entitled, The Collection. The Collection. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 4. Paul said, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now, he's pretty uh, authoritative in his instructions. He's going to tell them exactly what they need to do, where there's no misunderstanding. Look at that verse again. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. In other words, have you often ready before I get there? And when I come, verse 3, Whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be met that I go also, they shall go with me. Chapter 15, Paul had been discussing doctrinal issues. Chapter 15, he discussed the doctrine of the resurrection. Now, people like to study doctrinal issues. They like to study creationism. They like to study heaven and hell and Christology, study about Christ. I enjoy these studies. I enjoy the study of ecclesiology, the study of the church and eschatology, the study of the end times, what's going to be happening in days to come. However, in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 4, he changes his do- from a doctrinal message to just some practical information. He ends his letter with the exhortation about giving. Taking the collection. Ligias, the word collection. Ligias. The word ligias means to, to say something. Your collection says something. The word ligias means to say something. So in a very real sense, the collection in a church says something about its members and says something about the church. The collection. And so with that thought in my mind, and after I paid close attention to our legaeus, our collection, I feel that God has a message for us in this. Now, the subject of giving is important to our Christian lives, and we shouldn't apologize for that. Uh, 
I'm not making an apology this morning because I'm preaching about collection. Uh, when was the last time I preached on collection? Jesus gives 38 parables in the Ford Gospel. Stewardship, material possessions is the theme of 16 of those. Very important to him. And so here's the point. If there is a resistance and if there is rebellion in the heart of a Christian about the subject of giving, then that's a perfect illustration of a life that's not committed to the Lord Jesus. Black preacher once said, there's three books necessary to carry on the work of the church. There's the good book, which is the Bible. There is the hymn book in which we sing praises to our God. And then there is the pocket book in which we carry out the activities of the church. All three. Now, just for a gentle reminder... It is God and not the world that gives us the direction in our giving. Um, it's very important that we give according to the Word of God and not according to the world. Because, you see, our blessings come from God. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. So first, the purpose of the collection is found there in verses 1 through 4. So the question is brought up, well, why do we even have a collection? Well, Paul begins by saying, for the benefit of the saints. Verse 1, chapter 16, now concerning the collection for the saints. So the collection is to benefit the saints. I've always believed that when God's people know what their money is going to be used for, they'll meet the challenge and they'll be willing to give. The Mountain View Baptist Church, we have a challenge. Now let me share something that's very obvious. The first thing is, God has given to our collection. And remember Ligeus? Our collection says something. God has given to our collection... God is saying something. Others have given to our collection. Others are saying something. Now we have to give toward the collection. It's through our giving to the collection that we make our mission statement known. It's through this giving of the collection that we fulfill our mission statement that that we will continue to reach out to all people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and teach them to observe all things that He's commanded us until the Lord returns. Now listen, that desire to do that or the lack of desire to do that is expressed in your collection, in your giving whether you want to obtain that mission, collection, uh, that mission purpose or not, is reflected in your giving, in my giving. So Paul said, 
The purpose of the collection was for the benefit of the saints. It's benefit for us. It's benefit for others. Now, the Corinthian church, they were sending an offering to the church at Jerusalem. And Paul uses the word liberality. Look at verse 3, chapter 16. He says, And when I come, whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. He refers to their offering. Now, at times, uh, offerings referred to as a fellowship gift. An offering is referred to as an offering. An offering is referred to as a liberality. In this case, liberality. So he uses the word liberality there in verse 3 in place of the word offering. And the reason he does that is the Greek word liberality comes from the Greek word charos, where we get the word charismatic, or being grace-gifted, gifted by God's grace. Now listen, Paul is describing the offering as liberality or a grace gift. A grace gift. So here's the point. When we begin to think of God's grace, count your many blessings, name them one by one. When we begin to think of God's grace and that he, all the things, all his mercy, his grace that he's shown to us, and all that he has done for us, then we give out of an overflow of that gratitude. That's liberality. That's giving out of grace. That's grace giving. Now, our collection affects us, and it affects others. It affects us here it affects others here. It affects those that are out of this area. Our grace giving affects uh, those in Nicaragua. It affects those, uh, uh, our missionaries all across the, all across the world, 5,000 plus. Our North American missionaries, North America and Canada, 4,000 plus. It affects those. It affects our church, our own church. And our grace-giving produces a tremendous spiritual return. Giving liberally, with liberality, produces great spiritual return. I heard a joke the other day. I'm just going to insert it right here, and I'm prefacing it because you'll know that it's a joke. I heard about a man who bought a new boomerang. And he killed himself trying to throw it away. I thought that was pretty good. Here's the point. He said, please tell us, Brother Sammy, what's the point? When we give because of God's grace, it keeps coming back to us. So God wants us to be that kind of Christian, given out of grace. He wants us to be that kind of church, given out of grace, because He assures us that when we give this way, that it keeps coming back to us. 
He says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there, may, that there may be meat in my house and prove me or test me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not, here it is, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that there shall not be room enough for you to receive. My goodness. That's what happens when a Christian and a church practices liberality. So there's a purpose in our collection. We benefit, others benefit. But then there's a procedure in the collection. Giving must be punctual. Look at verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, upon the first day of the week. Now, in the Old Testament, the Jews worshipped on the Sabbath, the Sabbath. And they worshipped on the Sabbath to, to commemorate God's act of creation. God created, created everything, and then he rested on the Sabbath day. The Jews maintained that day. Rested, celebrated God's creation, worshipped on that day. However, born-again Christians worship on the eighth day, the day of beginning again, to commemorate the resurrection. And someone explained it this way, Rachel, I, I just take their word for it. Someone said, Someone explained it as, it's just like how the eighth note on the musical scale is. The beginning of another scale. The eighth day is the day of resurrection. And so, our giving is on the day as we, as Christians, celebrate the resurrection, which is on Sunday. Which means that, Brother Terry, we can sing, He lives, He lives, every Sunday if we want to, and we don't have to wait just to Easter to sing it. Here's the point. The Corinthian church took a collection every Sunday. Now, that tells me something. The Corinthian church took a collection every Sunday, which tells me that our giving is to be church-centered. Now, there are a lot of good causes out there. There's a lot of great ministries out there, a lot of good missions out there, a lot of good ministries out there. But the greatest place to present your financial gift to God is in and to the local church. 1 Corinthians 16. Now, when we come together to worship God, we come because we love Him. And because we love Him, we want to have something tangible in our hands to express our love. So we bring our offering to Him. You see, our offering time is not a time of intermission. It's a time in which we've worshipped in our singing, and now we're about to worship in our giving. It's a worship time. It's something to be done with thought and with prayer. 
It's not something to be thrown into a, just a wicker basket as it comes by and you dig around trying to find something in your wallet or your purse to throw in to keep from being embarrassed. But it's a worship time. It's a time that you worship God, something tangible in your hands to express the love that you have for God. Someone said this. He says, we can give without love, but we cannot love without giving. If you really, really love God, you'll offer to God. So the procedure in our giving must be punctual, must be personal. Look at verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, it's punctual, let every one of you, my goodness, what does that mean? Let every one of you, oh, the deacons, uh, a preacher, uh, and them included, teachers, uh, everyone means every one. Let every one of you, you believe that's speaking about you? Oh, you don't know my situation. God knows your situation. He says, let every one of you. He's talking, is he talking about the young? Yes. Is he talking about the old? Is he talking about the rich? Is he, is he talking about the poor? Sure he is. He's talking about everyone. And he does a great job bringing about an illustration. Mark chapter 12, you don't have to turn. Mark chapter 12, verse 42, is about the widow who only has two mites, so you have the poor on this extreme. And then in Luke chapter 19, verse 2, you have a guy by the name of Zacchaeus, which the Bible calls in chapter 19 of Luke, verse 2, a rich man. So you have a widow on one hand, given all she had was two mites, which made a fathering. About a, a less than a penny of our money. And then on the other hand, you had Zacchaeus, which was a, a rich man. And so he illustrates the poor to give, the rich to give, no one exempt. Everyone bring to the collection a grace gift. Now look at verse 2. Not only that, he says everyone, but he says... Here's the, here's his personal. He says, let every one of you lay by him in store. That's important. Let every one of you lay by him in store. Literally, that translates, let every one of you treasure up a precious thing. Treasure up a precious thing to give to him. John chapter 12 is about Mary. You remember Mary that had the, the expensive ointment in the alabaster box. And she had that ointment and she'd saved up the ointment. She laid it up. What did you say? Let every one of you lay by him in store. She had laid up this precious alabaster box of ointment. And no doubt people would come and they'd say, Mary... Why don't, you, why don't you use that ointment? Why don't you use that perfume? Girl, you should wear that stuff. That smells good. You smell good. Put the stuff on and wear it. And she says, no, nah, uh-uh. I'm saving that for a special day. 
I'm saving that for something special. I'm saving it, in her case, for someone special. And the day came. She found Jesus. and She broke her jar, and she poured this expensive ointment, perfume, on the feet of Jesus and dried his feet with her hair. Our giving should be done like that every week. Every week. Laying up something special for me to give to my Savior that saved me from my sins, forgave me, forgave me of my sins, and has promised me a home in heaven. I have something special to give him this coming Lord's Day. The question is, are you giving God something special or just the leftovers? After a binge at Walmart or Amazon or Craigslist or car repair and the house payment and the recreation and the ball games and the hobbies and it just keeps going on and on and on. Let me make a biblical suggestion to you. Rather than treating God like another expense, why don't you just view it as a personal gift to God Almighty, regardless of the amount? Because, listen, if you're not careful, you're just going to scribble out a check without a thought or a prayer given to it. Have a family meeting. Call the kids together. Or call the spouse together. And say, listen, today we're going we're to give according to the way that God has prospered us. That's what he says. Give as you've been prospered. And we're going to give as God has prospered us. Uh, so what's God done for us this week in our health? What's, God's, what's God done for us as our home or, or on our job or, or our clothes or our car or our boat or our camper and the list goes on? What has God done for us this week? And then pray and thank him for it and give out of that kind of love to him. There's a procedure. must be punctual. Must be personal. Must be proportional. Look at verse 2. Lay by him in store, as God has prospered him, that there should be no gatherings when I come. Paul said, listen, uh, God, you know, said, God didn't say how much we should give. Now, in the Old Testament, the Jew gave 10%. They gave a tithe. And I feel like, that's what God requires us to give. The beginning, the starting, the tithe, 10%. And then we give additional offerings. But the average Jew started at the tithe, and with all the other offerings that the Jew gave to the church, it totaled up about 30%. And it seems to me that as a Christian, under grace... We should not give less than 10% that the Jew gave who was under the law. 
And I believe that the foundation of our giving should start at a tenth. And then our offerings above that. Now let me just say this. When you check the back of your bulletin, you'll see our budget offering required, the budget offering that's been given. Then you'll see a building fund offering. And that building fund offering, now listen, is above our tithe. We don't rob Peter, so to speak, and pay Paul. But when I made my commitment to support our building fund, that was above my tithe, my 10%, and anything else that I give the Lord. Our giving must be proportional. I feel like, and I'll bring that out later on in weeks to come, that it begins at 10%. And then our giving must be practical, and I'm about finished. He says, no gatherings when I come. Paul didn't want to pressure anyone to give. Have your offering already taken care of when I get there? I'm not going to say anything about the offering when I get there. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I like to do. I, I, you know, preachers get accused of preaching about money. There again, when's the last time I preached about money? Best I could tell, it was 2010, nine maybe, ten, somewhere along in there. So real giving is in proportion to our blessings and not because someone makes an emotional appeal about it. Paul said, have it ready when I get there. So this morning, remember... The collection, the logeos, says something about us individually and as a church. The purpose, the collection is for the benefit of the saints, benefit of others, the procedure. It's punctual, personal. It's practical. And let me close with this. Just swept me off my feet. There was this man complaining to the church member. One church member complaining to another church member that it just costs too much to operate the church. It just costs too much to maintain. And this is what the man replied. He said, at one time we had a little boy around our house. And when he was born, he, he started costing us. Cost us at the hospital. Then he cost us formula. Then he cost us baby food. Then he began to grow. And he cost us clothes. And he cost us toys. He cost us food. And then one day he cost us a little puppy. And then he went off to college. And he started dating more. And the college cost us a tuition. And then we assisted him some with the dating Kindly cost us a small fortune. But however, in his senior year, he died. But do you know, after the funeral, he hasn't cost us one penny. 
And his friend just paused for a moment. And he said, you know, it seems to me that as long as a church has life, it's going to cost money. Now, here's the secret. If you've really given Jesus your heart, if you've given him your heart, we know that he even owns our money. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to open your words and to learn about the collection. Help us to realize, Lord, if there's going to be life in this body here where we fulfill our mission statement, which is nothing more than your great commission, that we're going to have to give liberally. And we're going to have to give with a grace giving. So, Father, I pray, it's not about the amount. It's about the spirit. It's about our heart. It's about our love for you and the kingdom work. Speak to our hearts this morning. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.